Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Richmond, and you're now listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis, heard throughout the Sacramento Valley and in many other places on the World Wide Web at kdvs.org. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Andy, and this is Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Thanks very much for tuning in to your local campus and community radio station on a Wednesday afternoon at 5 o'clock. I'm happy to have you here. And happy to welcome two guests to this week's radio show. Longtime listeners will remember that we support Poetry in Davis. And if you were to visit poetryindavis.com right now, you would discover that tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, what a strange time for a poetry reading. You'll find out why in a moment. Tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock, Patricia Caspers and Tamika Thomas, they'll be giving a sunset hour reading starting at 5 o'clock on Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Today is 2222. Uh, on the roof of the John Atsoulis Gallery, 521 First Street, here in the city of Davis. Dress warmly. We'll have ambient light at the rooftop gallery for our featured poets, and then dusk for the open mic. Who's on the radio show today? Patricia Caspers in the first half hour. Demika Thomas in the second. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. It's an hour full of poets and poetry on this week's edition of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Bye-bye. I mean, stick around. I'll be right back with Patricia Caspers.
Welcome back, everyone, to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. My name is Dr. Andy, and this is Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Tomorrow afternoon at 5, we will have Patricia Caspers and Damika Thomas reading on the roof of the John Itzulis Gallery in downtown Davis, 521 First Street. Come early because it's a a five-floor walk-up to the roof. Dress warmly because we're going to start at 5 o'clock, but the sun goes down around 5.30. Not instantaneously, I'm happy to say. So we'll have uh, evening light and then ambient light and then fading twilight during our featured poets and then on into the open mic that starts at 6 p.m. Details can be found at Poetry in Davis. We have two poets, Patricia Caspers and Damika Thomas, and Patricia Caspers is on the live line now. She's a poet, an editor, a teacher, a library tech, a columnist, and a newspaper reporter, as well as the founding editor of West Trestle Review. Patricia Casper's poetry has appeared in Quiddity, Pank, Fjord's Review, and many other publications. Her full-length poetry collection, In the Belly of the Albatross, was published by Glass Lyre Press and was nominated for a Pushcart Prize. Her latest collection is titled Some Flawed Magic, released just a month and a half ago in December of 2021. Patricia Casper's earned an MFA in creative writing from Mills College, and she'll be our featured poet tomorrow night as part of the Poetry Night reading series. Patricia Caspers, welcome to Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Great to have you here. And congratulations on the publication of your new book, Some Flawed Magic. I love the title. I wonder uh, if it deserves a little glossing. How was it that you came across this title? Is it a line from one of your poems? It is. Um, it's, a, it's a line from a poem that I wrote about um, E.B. White and um, his attempt to, um, to write about the loss of his pig by creating a new pig who gets to live. Um, a so famous pig who you, we might so know. He, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh. Wonderful. And so uh, you were able to uh, turn that into Some Flawed Magic, uh, a, a wonderful uh, collection of, uh, of words and ideas there. And, um, and I'm wondering if your E.B. White poem is an indication of uh, the themes or topics that you explore in this, your most recent book of poetry. It is. I was um, thinking about the idea of um, trying to bring, trying to bring people back to life through my words. So my book is really about. It's sort of a biography about my family, um, and a lot of my family has has passed away. Um, so I was. So I'm, I'm remembering them and honoring them through my through these poems. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I. Um, I believe that you and I are somewhere in the neighborhood of the same uh, generation. And so this means that in some ways we are uh, caretakers of uh, memories of uh, people from our grandparents' generation and increasingly people from our parents' generation as well. 
We are for sure. And it's a big, um, it's a big responsibility. Absolutely. Did, um, um, were you intentional with the focus when you started writing the poems that populate some flawed magic? Or uh, were you looking over the, the sort of topics that continued to draw you and, and discover that there was some uh, thematic and topical uh, unity in what you were writing? Well, it's interesting. I, um, I joke that my, <laughs> this book is pre-antidepressants <laughs> for uh-huh. me. <laughs> so a lot of it, I really felt like I was trying to write my way out of my grief for having lost my family. I lost my grandmother, who um, was really a big part of my life. Um, I lost her when I was 12. And then um, my dad died uh, 14 years ago. He would died in a car wreck. And um, so a lot of the poems were just really me trying to trying to reckon with all of that. My dad and I had a really complicated relationship, and I always thought we'd have a chance to work that out, and we never did, obviously. Um, so I just I just kept writing. Um, I just kept writing about them, and then eventually, um, I you know I kind of looked at everything and said, oh, this is you know this is all coming together. Actually, the original book um, came out of my MFA program at Mills, and then um, I just kept tinkering with it over the years. And I don't know that there are any of those poems left in it, but um, but that's that's where the original book started. It had a different title and everything. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that I can actually really call it the original book anymore, but. Right. And uh, a different title. And from what you just said, uh, all different poems, but that's sometimes yeah. what our first manuscripts will do. They will prove to us that we can write a manuscript and, and they might lead the way to the stronger book. Exactly. Yeah. I just kept saying, Oh, this, poem is not as strong as that one. I'm going to pull this one and add a new one. And, and here we are. It's a, uh, uh, an evolving uh, growth process for you as a poet yeah. and, and for your manuscripts. Well, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, when you, um, I want to come back to uh, some of the important people that you've written about. It, it's interesting that uh this is a topic that we talk about not only with our um, psychiatrist uh, <laughs> in order to get medication, but also uh, with our, <laughs> our therapists. And that is, how do we process uh, the deaths of people who are so, so close to us? Uh, I, I was just reflecting uh, as you were speaking that for me, it was uh, 18 years ago, um, I guess, uh, 18 years ago, minus one month. Uh, that my father passed away, but he uh, he died of cancer, and so my brother and I had a good four or five months to uh, yeah. to say goodbye to him and to um, you know talk some about uh, the the past and the future uh, in ways that um, you didn't uh, get to enjoy, and and I'm sure the abruptness of your father's passing uh, was you know. A, a cause anyway to have you return to uh, poems to help to uh, try to understand it all 
Yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely was. And, and there's, I know there's a lot of conversation among poets about, um, whether or not the poems that we write, uh, you know, um, to work through our trauma are really, um, are really publishable <laughs> or should really be out in the world. Right. But I, I, I do hope that, that these poems, um, speak to other people who have been through you know, who've had similar relationships or have been through their own trauma for sure. And I, um, you know, and I, and it was really important to me to, to make something beautiful out of, out of the hurt. I mean, it doesn't, um, negate the hurt in any way, but, um, but I felt like it was a way for me to, to channel it. Oh, absolutely. And, and we might think about, um, some great poems from history, like uh, John Milton's Lycidas or T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland or many of the uh, poems that appear in Robert Lowell's uh, Life Studies, that um, many of these works that kind of shaped the decade or even the century in which they were written uh, began as uh, elegies. And, yes. and sometimes we don't, uh, we might remember the poem even if in probably all three of those cases, we don't remember the people who were elegized. Right. Absolutely. And I, um, over the summer, I read um, Ross Gay's um, catalog of unabashed gratitude. Uh -huh. I don't know if you've read that, but I just loved it because um, Ross Gay has this incredible balance of um, celebrating joy and also not turning away from the sorrow and not turning away from the things that are hard, from the social issues and, and um, personal pain, but also, you know, showing what is beautiful in the world. And so I really, I read it um, with so much admiration and also um, I think I want, you know, I want to strive to be I want to strive to write like that <laughs> right? to celebrate, to celebrate too. That's wonderful. Well, if people were curious um, and they were to Google Ross Gay catalog of unabashed gratitude, the poetry foundation will provide the first link uh, because it uh, provides the entire text of the poem that shares the title uh, with Ross Gay's book. So I'm going to add that to my list. Thank you very much for that uh, recommendation. Good. You're welcome. Patricia Caspers is my guest. She's a poet, editor, teacher, library tech columnist, and newspaper reporter, as well as the founding editor of West Trestle Review. We've been talking about her new book. It's titled Some Flawed Magic, and she'll be reading with Demika Thomas as an opener tomorrow afternoon. At five o'clock, I'm used to saying tomorrow evening, but tomorrow afternoon <laughs> at five o'clock on the roof of the John Etzulis Gallery, 521 First Street in, in Davis. How and to what extent have you been able to support uh, your new book of poetry with readings? Have they mostly been via Zoom? Have you had any uh, in-person events? What, what's you know, been your strategy or your perhaps necessary practice? Well, this is only my second reading. Um, I am hoping to um, I'm hoping to have some Zoom events soon so that um, people, you know, on the East Coast can hear my poems. 
But um, I did, I was lucky enough to have one in-person event. It was um, right around my 50th birthday in November. So it was after people had been able to get vaccinated and it was before Omicron hit. (laughs) So we were all vaccinated and we all wore masks and, um, and, and I read my poems and we celebrated my birthday and it was wonderful. It was the best. 50th birthday party or any birthday party <laughs> I could imagine. Um, but I am hoping to have some more readings that are, they'll probably be virtual um, throughout the rest of the year. Well, I'm glad that I could offer you uh, an in-person reading. Uh, this will probably be your first reading uh, in the rooftop garden of uh, a five-story art gallery. Yes. I didn't even know there was a rooftop garden. I'm so excited. Excellent. Well, uh, there is. It's beautiful. And uh, often people attend events at the John Atsoulis Gallery in the evening, but it's much better seen uh, by uh, the dusk's fading light. And so we'll all get to climb those flights of stairs. There's also an elevator for uh, those of you for whom that would be a necessity. And it happens uh, tomorrow at 5, so Davisites can just stop by on their way home from work if they travel to work, as fewer and fewer of us do. Uh, Or you could just uh, walk, bike, or drive over to 512 First Street uh, here in the city of Davis and uh, come join us on the the fifth floor. Uh, People will be vaccinated, of course, and they will be wearing masks, but will also be in the open air. And Dr. Fauci tells us that it's uh, it's safer to uh, read poetry uh, mm-hmm. in the open air than it is in uh, enclosed spaces. So I'm I'm glad that we can uh, act on his recommendations. Me too, Patricia. If you don't mind, we're going to hear a public service announcement, and then when we return, uh, I would love to hear a poem or two from some flawed magic. And then I think people will also be curious about West Trestle Review, so I'll ask you about that as well. Okay, great. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. My name is Dr. Andy, and this is Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour on KDVS Davis. In just 30 seconds, we will return you to KDVS. Meanwhile, a memo on a matter of importance to you and your family. Did you know that nearly a third of all motor accident victims are killed in collisions between motor vehicles and pedestrians? Just because the road looks smooth, clear, and flat in front of you, don't put your foot down on the accelerator. A child may ride a bicycle out of a side road. A young couple may step off the curb, and death strikes suddenly. Drive carefully. Drive with your mind as well as your body. In the background, you hear a sonata for flute or violin number one in B minor, 
by Johann Sebastian Bach here on KDBS. It's Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Thanks very much for tuning in this afternoon. Patricia Caspers is my guest, and she is a poet whose work has appeared widely in journals. She has uh, two books of poetry out, In the Belly of the Albatross from Glass Lyre Press, and then late last year, Some Flawed Magic. She earned an MFA in creative writing from Mills College, and she'll be reading tomorrow afternoon at 5 at the John Natsoulis Gallery on the Roof Gallery. You're welcome to join us. Details at poetryindavis.com. Patricia, what poem would you like to choose first to share with listeners? Um, The first poem I'm going to read is called Bird Damage Fire Blight, and it is a very uh, Placer County poem. I live in Auburn. Um, so it's sort of, it's, um, it's also a poem for, for where I live. Excellent. Um, bird damage, fire blight. In each parcel of backyard crabgrass, scorched soil, ant trails, star thistle, goat thistle, goosegrass, a lone loquat leans at the perimeter. Deep river green leaves grin at wild oats and mallow. Higher fronds, paler green, arch their backs toward winter warmth, bursting panicles of woolly buds that soak light. Some say freshwater carp will swim below a loquat's branches, swallow the orange thumb fruit, grow scales of armor, barble fire, turn dragon fierce. But the amber stone, bright and wet as a pony's eye, curdles to poison in the belly of any human. Unlike us, the loquat flourishes after severe pruning and no more water than the, sta- than the sky's daily offering or lack. My father called them kumquats, one of his smaller mistakes, made weapons of the unripened. From my window, I watched jays thrash the branches, gash the flesh, steal away into farther scrub oaks. Their hunger and late-season rain will spoil a crop. But around here, no one much cares. The loquat, like an apricot, makes fine jam, liqueur, pies, balsamic reduction. Scrape and steep the leaves, sip the tea, make a poultice for the most tender places. Instead, I drag a ladder along uneven ground, Scatter squirrels, bees, twist the fruit from its rough stem, fill my mouth with the furred skin. All of my childhood was this, gorging on neglect, praying for my eyes to glow golden, for the smoke to tendril from these famished lips. That is so pretty. Thank you so much. Very touching. You know, uh, I'd say that poem in particular reflects, uh, I forget the verb you used, but that you were uh, adjusting and improving uh, your poems uh, for many years. And uh, each line seems so uh, well-packed with purposefully uh, chosen words that uh, are are mellifluous in the way that they resonate together. So really well done. Thank you. And that poem actually started as a completely different poem, and the only line I kept was the bright and wet as a pony's eye. <laughs> That's, so uh, was, 
Yeah, it's a wonderful simile, and uh, I'm glad it survived in, in this particular poem. I wonder if you could say more about that. What What is the process of writing a, a poem for you, and um, and how long would it take in minutes, hours, days, months, or years to uh, write, say, one of the poems that appears in your new book, Some Flawed Magic? Um, well, these poems were... Um, most of these were written really quickly and sort of in one sitting and a kind of a mad rush. Um, and then they were, um, revised over years and years and years. (laughs) So, um, so originally I would sort of, you know, sit down and, and just kind of cram a poem out. Um, and then... I would start on paper, and then eventually I would move to the computer, and um, and then once it was on the computer, that was more of the more of the editing and the moving moving the lines around and that sort of thing. These days, I don't I don't really work that way so much. These days, I I kind of will have a line or I'll have an idea that I write down, and then um, I'll let it percolate for days or weeks even, um, and so a lot of the poems I'm writing now require a lot of, or not a lot, but some research, so I will, I'll have an idea, and then I'll research it for a while, and then I kind of try to forget the research <laughs> so that it doesn't sound like I'm writing an essay, Right. and um, yeah, and then eventually I try to, you know, pull it all together, um, so yeah, it's kind of a, my process has changed a lot. You had mentioned uh, not wanting a poem to sound like an essay. Uh, have you found that any of the work that you've done as a columnist or a newspaper reporter will uh, appear in uh, other genres of writing for you, including your poetry? Well, a lot of the... Um, a lot. So I, what I was writing as a columnist was really... Um, was really biographical, so I, a lot of, it was very similar to what I was writing, um, the poems that I was writing, but it was just, um, more direct, I guess. Right. <laughs> and then, um, as a reporter, I was really covering local town events, um, and, well, not just events, but also, um, crime and that sort of thing. And I, I, oh, actually that's not true. I did have, um, I, I have written a poem. It's not published about, um, a family that, um, I had to write a story about a family that lost their, um, lost a loved one to suicide. And, um, and that was, that was, it was really hard. It was hard. I'm, it was hard for, obviously it was hard for the family. Um, but I think that's the only time that I've had something directly from my reporting um, go into my into my poetry. Interesting. Um, now that I've asked the question, I remember one time uh, there was that terrible shooting at a, a nightclub in Florida. Oh, in, yes. In, in Tampa, if I remember correctly. And I was Poet Laureate of Davis at the time, so... Uh, I was asked if I would come speak. And often if they ask you to come speak, that means to uh, speak a poem. And if it's Mm -hmm. something that's happened that day, 
you have to write the poem before you can speak it. And yeah. uh, so I had uh, perhaps an hour that was unclaimed by classes or meetings or this radio show. And so I, I wrote it, uh, something as best I could. And then I continued to noodle with it while I was uh, sitting in uh, the, the audience in uh, a downtown Davis Park where we were remembering these people who had been uh, killed the night before. And, uh, and so I continued to um, add to and adjust the poem. But uh, I was still, I, w- I was so impressed with uh, the speakers at that event, one of whom was the uh, then mayor of Davis. Uh, his name is Rob Davis. That um, I felt, you know, someone else should see this. But as you were just saying about poetry, that um, the sort of energy that informs, uh, you know, fresh thoughts on a new tragedy. Uh, we, we have to wonder, as you were saying about poems about uh, family members, w- will this be relevant later on? So what I right. did that evening is I turned it into uh, an essay, uh, an opinion piece, uh, if you will, but still it, it, had, it, it had imagery and it had uh, connections. It had uh, the rhetorical equivalent of anaphora and I, uh, I wrote it up that, that night, adapted my own writing for prose, and then sent it to uh, the, an editor I knew at the Sacramento Bee. And he wrote me, uh, I woke up the next morning, because newspaper people, they, as you know, yeah. they wake up very early. <laughs> so when I woke up the next day, I had an email waiting in my inbox that, saying that they were going to take the piece and run it that following uh, Sunday in the Sacramento Bee. Wow. And, and it was um, it was an exciting experience, but it it also made me think uh, about something that you have to think about all the time as a poet and a newspaper reporter, and that is um, how are audiences and expectations and the role of the author uh, different, even if the topic is the same for a poem right. and for uh, a piece that that goes into the newspaper. And so I was able to uh, explore that a little bit over the course of uh, six hours on uh, a particular tragic day uh, a number of years ago, and then uh, see the results both uh, performed for uh, a crowd of mourners and then read by, I'm sure, many more people in the Sacramento Bee. Yeah, it's interesting how some um, some topics just require a, a different I've been trying to write for years. I've been trying to write a poem about Grove of Cleveland, and um, I finally just realized a couple of weeks ago this this isn't going to be a poem. This needs to be something bigger. It needs to be prose. So I've started writing. I think I'm going to write it in a flash, um, a, in a series of flash fiction pieces. Interesting. Because it's just too much for for me. Somebody else might be able to do it, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's too much for me in, a, in poem form. Well, at least you'll have, um, as far as I know, uh, cornered the market on new flash fiction pieces on Grover Cleveland. <laughs> so you, you'll own that niche. Yes, I, I hope so. I hope nobody else is doing that. <laughs> I just bet not. Well, um, great. Patricia Caspers, let's hear another poem from your new book, Some Flawed Magic. Okay. This poem is called Bargain. 
What I want is an autumn parade, a smack dab November hoopla, marching bands, jazz dancing, it don't mean a thing up Park Avenue, while clowns cartwheel through harvest leaves and unicyclers toss candy already melting in the dusty rain. I want confetti and me atop a fairy tale pink frosted cake, my tiara at a jaunty angle, my hands kiss waving at you, the only bystander fluttering your happy birthday flag in the dry California wind. What I want is my name trailed behind airplanes in sparkly fuchsia letters, big as sunshine against the overcast, slow swagger toward winter sky. And after, I want a surprise soiree where fountains pee ginger ale and waiters in black jackets carry crudite and tapenade and all the people I love cheer when you play solo harmonica in the ballad you've written just for me. I want to go back to plump with summer June, take the driver's seat, take the stash from your pocket. I want you alive. I want this to be the year you call on the anniversary of my birth and say, I remembered. Oh, very nice. Tell us again the title of that piece. Bargain. Bargain. That's, that's beautiful. Thank Bef- you. So uh, I want to uh, hear another poem from Some Flawed Magic, but first let's talk about West Trestle Review. This is a, a, a journal that you were the founding editor of, and I'm wondering if you could say something about... Um, uh, the joys and challenges of uh, running West Trestle Review and uh, how people can find out more, participate, or even uh, submit. Yes. Um, so I originally started West Trestle Review um, on my own in 2014. And the idea was to publish a poem um, by a woman once a week. And... Um, I quickly realized that it was too much for me, <laughs> just on my own, even one poem a week. So I set it aside for a while. And then um, a few years ago, I um, decided I wanted to I wanted to revive it, and I um, invited some people to join me. So now I have a team of editors, and, um, and West Trestle Review now publishes uh, poetry and fiction by women and non-binary writers, and we also um, publish art. And we um, are we publish every two months. Um, our next issue will be coming out in um, for March and April, and um, we really uh, we really try to um, we really encourage. Uh, women and non-binary writers of color to send us work. Um, and we also, in each issue, we have what we call um, fairlies, and that is a reprint by a, um, a person of color, and it's a, a poem or a story that was published in a print version um, uh, more than a year ago. And it's been wonderful. I love it. I've met so many, I haven't actually met them, but I feel like I have so many wonderful people um, doing this work. And it's all volunteer. Um, 
and the people I work with are, are volunteers, and I'm so grateful that they volunteer their time to do this. Um, it is expensive. I guess that's the only, that's the only challenge is that it, there are, there are costs involved. So we have had some wonderful donors, um, and I'm very grateful for them. I would eventually love to be able to pay our contributors. Um, and so I keep thinking about becoming a nonprofit, but, um, that sounds really, um, daunting. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't taken that on yet, but, um, but yeah, it's wonderful. I love, I love everything about it, really. I'm building the issues and, um, and being in touch with the writers and the artists. And, um, and then when my favorite part is when the issue goes live and, you know, everyone is celebrating and it's just been, it's been wonderful. That's great. How do people find the West Trestle Review and what's the best way for them to uh, find out more information and perhaps to submit work? Um, so we have a website. It's westtrestlereview.com. And, um, oh, and I should say the journal is only published online. There is not, there's not a print version. Um, and if you go there, you can see the new issue or the current issue. And then um, there is a place there where you can, um, where people can submit their work as well. Excellent. Well, uh, that's terrific. Um, WestTrestleReview.com. Well, uh, Patricia Caspers, uh, let's close with one last poem from Some Flawed Magic, your most recent book. Okay. I think I will um, close with the, the first poem. Um, and actually, this is from the, original, from the original manuscript. So it's called Life with Fever Unfinished. In fevered dreams, life is an algebra equation. From 10th grade math, which you failed, you try to unknot each intricate tangle of it, A squared plus B squared equals C squared, where A equals the arc of the handed-down china dish, its blue pattern of birds flying from your hand, suddenly shattered on the kitchen floor, and B is the first initial of a good therapist across town. And C, what is C? This is where your synapses hesitate, misfire, or the tiny speed bump stalls the car that travels the complex circuitry of your brain. Is C the cry you held in, collected and throbbing at the unforgiving base of your skull? Or is C for Christ, whom you left standing on Nana's porch the night you let go her name? Alternately, if B is the broken bluebird mosaic, Perhaps C is the cut finger and the crimson-stained broom handle as you swept the night's anger into the dustbin. Then morning comes for real, damp and thirsty, a math teacher tapping at your desk. But the answer is still locked inside its cell. Wait, you say. Let me begin again. Oh, very nice. It ends with a beginning. It does. <laughs> Terrific. And uh, Patricia Casper's the title of that one more time? Um, it's Life with Fever Unfinished. Excellent. Well, I'd like to remind everyone 
that Patricia Caspers will be giving a reading with Tamika Thomas at the Sunset Hour, as we're calling it, which is 5 p.m. tomorrow, Thursday, February 3rd, on the roof of the John Etzulis Gallery. Although it's been windy the last couple of days, the wind is due to die down tomorrow. So oh, the uh, ambiance, I'm sure, will be uh, perfect and, and perhaps magical in a flawed way for <laughs> tomorrow's poetry reading. Uh, thank you so much, Patricia, for joining me on the radio. And I look forward to uh, seeing you and uh, welcoming you back to Davis and hearing some of your new work. Thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed it. So did I. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. We're going to reach out to Damika Thomas next. She's a Davis-based poet who will be opening for Patricia Caspers tomorrow. If you want to find out more about this event or to add your name to the mailing list, visit poetryindavis.com. After this important public service announcement, we'll be back with Damika Thomas here on Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. It's two. Why'd you ask? My lunch. It's been two hours since I got out of the fridge. Two hours? So what? Don't you know the two cool rule? Chill your lunch or leftover within two hours. Why? I don't know about you, but I don't want to get sick from my lunch being out too long. Just chill it within two hours. It's no big deal. Don't let your food stay out too long and make you sick. Follow the two cool rule and always chill lunch and leftovers within two hours. Brought to you by the Food Tech Club and Food Science Department here at UC Davis. Welcome back, everyone, to Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour on KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. 
I appreciate you tuning in this afternoon to your campus and community radio station. We're enjoying a little Mozart in the background. My guest is D'Amica Thomas. D'Amica Thomas is a mixed-race writer and poet who holds a degree in English with an emphasis in creative writing and a minor in education from the University of California, Davis. She's been published in Open Ceilings Magazine, Rejected Lit Magazine, Third Iris Magazine, and Poets.org. D'Amica Thomas was winner of the 2021 Celeste Turner Wright Poetry Prize. I knew Celeste Turner Wright just a little bit. Uh, For her poem, Progress. She is co-founder and public relations officer of Mad Mouth Poetry, a collective of poets dedicated to creating equitable spaces in poetry. She's applying for MFA programs this fall and hopes to attend a program in the coming school year. She can be found at Demikat, D-A-M-I-E-K-A-T, on all social media platforms. That sounds ambitious. I'm so glad that she could join us this afternoon. Demika Thomas, welcome to Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. Hello. Hello, and congratulations on winning the Celeste Turner Wright Poetry Prize. That's a big deal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was really excited about that. For sure. I know that, uh, if I remember correctly, graduate students can also apply for that um, prize, to be considered for that prize. So it's always a a big deal when one of our undergraduate uh, poets uh, wins the prize. Uh, Last year was a strange year, though, to be uh, winning prizes. I know that historically there is an event in Voorhees Courtyard, uh, mm-hmm. but that's difficult to uh, pull off when there's a, a full-on uh, viral pandemic going on. I'm wondering how it was uh, you were recognized for this prize in addition to your uh, poem being listed in poets.org. Yeah, um, it's definitely a weird year to win <laughs> that prize, but they did, um, it was nice. They did an online thing over Zoom, and so we all came, and they kind of honored us, and Katie Peterson did a bit of talking. Um, so it was good. I think actually, in retrospect, sorry, it's been a while. It wasn't that we all showed up on Zoom. It was like they announced it, um, and there was a certain page that you went to on the UC Davis English website. So that was how I kind of saw it, and they like honored us and had a big list and stuff. That's great. Well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Katie Peterson. She is uh, a poetry hero to uh, many undergraduate and graduate poets who have uh, studied the craft here at at UC Davis. I'm wondering, when you think back on the English part of your undergraduate degree, who were some of the professors who were most uh, helpful or inspirational to you? Yeah, um, I really... I didn't take any classes with Katie or anything, but she helped me a lot over email, find poets for poetry readings that I did over Zoom with Mad Mouth and stuff, and I thought she was really great. Um, I really liked Pam Houston a lot. I think she's, like, one of the best, you know, teachers I've had in general, but especially creative writing teachers. Um, I thought Greg Glasner was really great as well. He's a poet, um... Yeah, I thought that, I mean, I thought most of the faculty at Davis were really amazing, but 
Erin Gray, who she doesn't do um, creative writing stuff. She's just an English professor in general, but I thought she was really great. I thought Matthew Stratton was really great. Yeah, there were a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but... (laughs) Excellent. Well, those are are good names for uh, undergraduates listening to this radio show who are considering uh, what sort of faculty they might want to learn from. Uh, I agree that those are some uh, excellent names to uh, put forward. So yeah. uh, you are a, uh, a graduate now of uh, UC Davis. And I'm, I'm wondering, I, you know, I think I already have a hint of an answer, but I'm wondering to what extent you feel that your uh, work in your classes and then also your work with uh, Mad Mouth Poetry and other local organizations uh, has helped you to prepare for an MFA program in, in poetry, one that you might uh, start in this fall? Yeah, so I actually, um, I didn't apply for MFA programs in poetry. I do a little bit of everything, and I really enjoy poetry, and I want to keep doing it, but I'm doing, I applied for MFAs in fiction and in nonfiction, and I actually just found out last week that I got into the one in Davis, which is really exciting. Excellent. Um, yeah, but um, I think that the work that I've done uh, in my undergraduate degree really prepared me for, you know, as much as you can be prepared probably for a master's program. I think that I learned a lot from all of the amazing faculty in the creative writing program at Davis. I feel like I was a very different writer when I came in than when I left. I look back at my old stuff and I feel like I mean, I think there's potential in it, but it doesn't feel like mine anymore, you know, unless I go back and fine-tune it a little bit. Right. Um, so I feel like I definitely learned a lot. Mad Mouth was a really, I think, instrumental part, too, that kind of just came about, you know, out of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. We decided to do a Black Poets Matter, like, reading, and it was like a six-part reading in summer of 2020, and it was something that I, as a mixed race poet, felt like I really needed and didn't have. And I didn't even really know the Mad Mouth team that well, but I just kind of came on as an outsider. And now they're some of my best friends. And I feel like I've learned so much about writing and poetry from them. And I continue to learn so much because they're all just, you know, there's people in L.A. and there's people up here. It's kind of a mixed bag. And I think I learned so much from them that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. That sounds wonderful. If uh, people wanted to get involved uh, or just learn more about Mad Mouth Poetry, uh, how might they do that? Yeah, so right now we're actually, we've been on a little bit of a sabbatical, I guess, for a couple of months, just while we kind of figure out this weird stage of the pandemic that we're in and we all had life things, but we are still on social media um, it's at Mad Mouth Poetry on most things. Uh, we're on Instagram and we're also on Facebook. We did have a website, but I think that currently our website manager is kind of working on making that live again. So I'm not sure that it's up. Well, I think that's a, a really uh, good place to start. You'll be, yeah. You'll be reading tomorrow with Patricia Caspers on the roof of the John Natsoulis Gallery. Uh, I'm wondering if you've uh, participated in some uh, live events during the time that you were an undergraduate student at UC Davis that were connected to creative writing like this. Yeah, so I haven't actually done very many. I've 
I feel like I've done a decent amount of readings over Zoom because of Mad Mouth. I've, you know, there's been times where I've read for them or I've hosted or so I'm comfortable with the reading format, but it's definitely a different beast in person, probably. <laughs> I did do like, I read one poem at an Open Ceilings magazine reading on campus um, back in, I think, like February of 2020, right before the world kind of completely changed. Right. So, yeah, so that's the only in-person reading I've ever actually done other than this one. Well, uh, you'll have to let all of your locals know that you'll be making a a live appearance. And uh, with this event being outdoors, uh, it'll be uh, safer than most because we'll be breathing uh, uh, wind-pushed air rather than uh, sitting in uh, an enclosed space. And you'll have the best light of um, all the readers for though you'll be opening for Patricia Casper's and then we'll have an open mic that starts at six. But you'll have uh, the best ambient light uh, as the the first reader of uh, the afternoon, uh, just a couple minutes after five o'clock. That's good to know. (laughs) Excellent. Well, uh, D'Amica Thomas, I think people at home would love to hear a poem. Do you have a sample of your work nearby that you could share with listeners today? Sure. Um, Yeah, I can read. I have the poem that um, I won the Celeste Turner Wright Prize with uh, called Progress. Should I start that now? Is that okay? Sure. (laughs) Let's hear that. I should, I should warn you that there are uh, certain words that we can say on the radio and some that we can't. So I'll just let you keep that in mind as you read. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Excellent. Um, so here's Tamika Thomas reading her award-winning poem, Progress. Okay. Progress. My grandmother tells me that progress is like a turtle. Things will get better, she says. Her cheekbones sunken in the folds of sagging skin and the lines around her eyes tell another story. In less than a year, she will no longer have her memory drowned at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she is diagnosed with early onset dementia, she laughs, shakes her head in disbelief, and says she can't believe she's become such an Indian stereotype. Progress is a turtle, and our tribe a single square on its back slowly scraping from the sinewy shell, bruised and holding on for dear life. Progress is a turtle. It's been killed by colonists with their plastic six-pack rings, with their oil spilling into our homes, their sticky, sweet hands jamming down our throats. We are left choking on the excess of their exploitation, the Dakota Access pipeline running through our veins. We choke we bloat, we explode. No one looks for us in the recesses of the ocean. They cannot make it past the shallows without gasping for air. No one cares about the carcass of a civilization already extinct in their sea foam eyes. No one looks for us. The waves swallow us whole. We choke, we bloat, we explode. Progress is a turtle, soon to be extinct like the face of my grandmother floating somewhere in the folds of her skin. And that's the poem. Excellent. That was beautiful. Progress by D'Amica Thomas. 
Excellent. And uh, Tamika, what are your uh, interim plans now that you're a, a UC Davis graduate and uh, ostensibly you'll be starting a, a program in fiction uh, this fall? You still have uh, another uh, nine or ten months before that happens. Uh, what are you doing in the meantime? Yeah, um, so I actually just recently, I was working two part-time jobs, both of which I enjoyed, but it was kind of a lot. Um, so I recently found a full-time job, and I'm going to start that in a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to be working full-time um, at the Davis Adult Education and Community Center. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, good for you. Uh, I'm glad that we'll have your uh, creativity and communal spirit uh, continue to uh, support different populations in the city of Davis. So that's great. Well, Damika, it's very nice to meet you over the telephone, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 5 o'clock at the John Netsoulis Gallery right up there on the roof. Uh, Make sure to tell your friends so that we can have a, a hometown audience to cheer you on tomorrow. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis. Thanks very much for tuning in this afternoon. We've been uh, listening to uh, some delightful classical music. For instance, this is Henry V from the Henry V theme of the Boar's Head. Uh... And uh, I thought that we might hear a little handle. We could probably get a, a handle on that here from the handle collection. Is let's see, what is it? It's going to be arrival of the Queen of Sheba from Solomon. Here, should we do that or should we do a longer piece? I'd like to remind you that if you're curious about uh, KDBS, then you can uh, visit our website at kdbs.org. Likewise, if you are interested in Poetry in Davis, then you should visit the website of Poetry in Davis, which is poetryindavis.com. My name is Dr. Andy, and we're going out with some music from the Handel Collection I'll see you next Wednesday for another edition of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour on KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis.